0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Locations Unknown. I'm your co host, Joe Irotto, and With me, as always, is a guy who always keeps his ducks in a row, Mike
1: <laughs> Van de Bogart. Uh, thank you, Joe, and uh, thank you once again to all of our loyal listeners for tuning in. Just a few updates before we get going here. Um, we got some new Patreon shout outs. So thank you to Becca Cohn, Sarah Trice, Sherry Jackson, Jamie Buell. Les Seller, and uh, Adam Parker, who's a family member. So thank you uh, to all of you and Adam for supporting the show. Is he at 100 a month? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> thank you, everybody. Yes, thank you. And uh, an episode suggestion shout-out to Allison Carlson. This was actually pretty funny. I was starting to research, the uh, figuring out what episode to do, and she happened to email us while I was unsure of what to do, and I looked up this case, and it seemed interesting. So so thank All right. you, Allison, for recommending it. Um, if you want to call the show and leave a voicemail, let us know how you feel about the show, about us, anything we say. You can call 208-391-6913. And uh, finally, just uh, <clears throat> if you want to help support the show, uh, you can go over to a, a couple different places now. So obviously, we're on Patreon. That w- will get you the most... Bang for your buck. There's some swag that you get when you sign up, um, early release episodes, and additional Patreon-only episodes. We're doing a we're doing one right after this on uh, some Bigfoot cases. Should be very oh, yeah. fun. When Bigfoot attacks, <laughs> yes. And we now have YouTube memberships. This is basically you can get uh, ad-free episodes and our early um, Patreon-only episodes on YouTube. And soon we will be launching um, premium subscriptions on Apple. So pretty much the Ooh, same. Is Apple gonna is
0: Apple gonna take like 80% of the revenue on that?
1: <laughs> well they they take a good cut. Yeah, all right. So
0: don't don't sign
1: up for that one. Sign up for yeah. Patreon. <laughs> they Patreon <laughs> actually takes more. Uh, sign up for Apple. <laughs> <laughs> um so uh yeah, and uh on Apple it'll just be similar to YouTube memberships where you'll get um exclusive member only uh, episodes. So those are a couple ways you can support the show. You can also buy some swag and uh You know, tell your friends about us. So that's all I had.
0: All right, everybody. Let's gear up and get out to explore locations unknown. August 21st, 2022. A very experienced hiker, backpacker, and mountain climber sets out to summit Split Mountain in California. He was climbing with friends he met on a social media for for a one-day summit on this mountain. After being separated from his group, he was never seen again. Join us this week as we investigate the strange disappearance of Kwong Tan. Split Mountain is a fourteen thousand forty-five foot mountain in the John Muir Wilderness near Big Pine on the Sierra Nevada Crest, close to the boundary between the National Park Kings Canyon National Park and the National Forest Inyo National Forest. Uh, Kings Canyon National Park is roughly four thousand or uh, four hundred sixty-one thousand nine hundred acres. I'm having like a hard time already today, and we just started. <laughs> It's, uh, ever since that, if you guys are patron <laughs> listeners, um, if you're not, you really need to pay, even if it's just for a month to go back to our last listener co- uh, comment show. That was, that was ridiculous. <laughs> it was so good, but it's got me all tripped up. Now I can't read good yeah. after, after can't I talked to you, I can't read good. Um, so yeah, <laughs> you, if you'll think it's funny if you're a patron supporter, so there you go. There's a little, a little hint there. Uh, the John Muir Wilderness is 652,700 acres. So there's some big areas. And yeah. it, just like most of California, beautiful parks, uh, wilderness areas. They, they've kind of got everything over there.
1: Yeah, and this area is just jam-packed with uh, parks. And f- So you've got Kings Canyon National mm-hmm. Park, and then directly to the south, sharing a border with it, is Sequoia National Park. And then, obviously, you have Inyo National Forest. That's those
0: really big trees, right? Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you've got... Uh, the Inyo National Forest to the east of the parks. You've got the Sierra National Forest, kind of to the northwest, and then Sequoia National Forest to the west, and uh, the John Muir Wilderness is kind of mixed in um, the, with the Inyo and Sierra National Forests. So, a lot of a lot of stuff going on, um, and those both those parks are managed jointly.
0: That uh, makes sense. Yeah.
1: Basically, like connected almost. Yeah, so you'll hear a lot of people just call it Sequoia um, and oh, yeah, Kings like, Canyon National Park.
0: Yeah, I think if you get the maps from National Geographic, they just merge it into one. Yeah, They have like two or three maps for the whole area, but they merge it. So uh, so Kings Canyon National Park sees roughly uh, just shy of half a million visitors. This is 2022 numbers. Uh, 2020. 2020 numbers. 2022. like as well. Yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah. Uh, Sequoia was the first park created uh, to protect a living organism. So that's pretty cool. Yep. Uh, Some other facts before Kings Canyon, there was general grant national park. Uh, Sequoia is home to the tallest mountain in the lower lower 48, which is Mount Whitney at 14,494 feet. Sequoias are some of the largest and oldest trees in the world. They can live over 3,000 years and grow as tall as 180 feet to 250 feet. It's tall. Gee, I've never seen them. I like I've, uh, my wife has gone. Some of my kids have gone when she was there in business. And I mean,
1: I've not seen a Sequoia tree either in person.
0: That's gotta be wild. I mean, that's, that's taller than most buildings. Yeah. I mean, that's That's a tree. uh,
1: That's insane. Yeah. It's like a 25 story tree. That's so wild. (laughs)
0: So the parks have over 800 miles of trails. Uh, mountaineering is very popular in this park.
1: Yeah, and anyone who's ever gone there, there's a lot of peaks to climb, which is would explain why it's a popular destination.
0: I'm going to pull um, it. I'm not sharing it yet, but I'll just pull up the... Okay, the while you're I'm pulling, talking.
1: I can go into climate a little.
0: Yeah, do the Copen Climate Classification System. Our
1: friends at the Copen Climate Classification System. I love, I love talking it. about it like it's an <laughs> actual place where people work. <laughs> it probably is. I don't think it is. I'm sure it's probably a government organization. Probably it's
0: it's just like an office in D.C. It's one person. Or oh, it's probably no, it's probably in Sweden. Yeah, it's like it's um, it's it's right in the middle of CERN. Yeah. It's the center of the CERNs. So they do the, the thing around them. The, and they just talk about the climate. Uh, none, none of that is true. None of that's none true. Of that, that is true. all false. Um, so
1: most of Kings Canyon National Park has a warm summer Mediterranean climate with only the lowest of elevations having a hot summer Mediterranean climate. Uh, average temps vary pretty widely in the park. You've got upper 70s in July and August to lows ranging from the mid-20s and 30s in November to April. Uh, same with Just like temperatures, rainfall varies quite a bit depending on what time of year you go. You can get 8 inches of rain on average in January to as little as uh, uh, .16 inches in September, and June, and June through September are typically very dry months in the park. park also gets a lot of snow, uh, depending on where you are. Average snowfall ranges from 44.8 inches in February to n- no snow from July to September. And December to March are the snowiest months of the year. And in all the park, it gets about 186 inches of snow every year, which is mainly in the upper elevations. Um, so what are you You're pulling up all trails?
0: Yeah, it's whatever reason Google Earth has been like lagging. Yeah, they've had an update. and It's been lagging. So if anyone listens, it's a Google engineer. <clears throat> Google Earth is lagging <laughs> <laughs> when I click and drag. So uh, you're at terrain. I'll take it up from there. Yeah. So Kings Canyon National Park features terrain similar to Yosemite Valley uh, with its deep valleys, skyscraping trees and distinctive rock outcroppings. Kings Canyon National Park is the place that John Muir once called a rival to Yosemite. So. Them are fighting words. It's beautiful. (laughs) It is. It's like, which park's more great? Yeah. (laughs) The park is named after Kings Canyons, which is carved out of the meandering King River. Along with Kings Canyon, the park is renowned for the steep, rugged, and sometimes vertical reliefs across this part of the Sierra Nevada mountains. The park is generally divided into two distinct sections. The smaller and older western section and the larger eastern section. Most tourist facilities are located in the western part of the park near Grant Grove. Grant Grove houses the park's infamous sequoias, including General Grant, the second largest tree in the world. And that's measured by the trunk's volume. Um, What they're saying, I think the tallest one, right, that we talked about this in other episodes, it's hidden. They don't tell you where it is. Like, you can't find it.
1: Yeah, I've read that somewhere. Someone will correct us if we're wrong, but I think they, it, it. I think some people might know its location, but they do not. They don't advertise it. Yeah, Yeah, advertise it.
0: Obviously, some people know. Yeah, but they don't like doing it, so people don't mess with it. I'm sure.
1: Yeah, because humans are stupid, and we would go there and just destroy it. Yeah, be like, I won't chop down the tree. (laughs) Build
0: fourteen houses out of it.
1: Yeah, Uh,
0: the eastern section of the park contains the majority of the park's area and is almost entirely wilderness. Cedar Grove, which sits at the bottom of Kings Canyon, is the only part of the eastern section that is accessible by road and is the most popular destination for travelers looking to explore the more rugged reaches of the canyon. That's where we would go. Yeah, Uh, Kings Canyon's impressive mountainous landscape contains several Sierra Crest Peaks that exceed 14,000 feet in elevation, including North Palisades, the third highest mountain in the Sierra Nevada Range, Mount Sill, uh, Palemian Peak... (laughs) We're gonna get so much hate. Pulmonium, Pulmonium Peak. I think Split Mountain and Thunderbolt Peak. Thunderbolt
1: yeah. Peak sounds like they get a lot of lightning. Yeah, it, or it gets
0: none. Yeah. It's like <laughs> it's, it's like, named. like like Little John. <laughs> yeah,
1: on, here we go. Pulmonium,
0: Pulmonium. Pulmonium, Pulmonium Peak. There we go. Someone's gonna comment like, "I hate your show. I live next to that mountain, and you said it wrong. I'm <laughs> angry now at everything you do." <laughs> And for those of you wondering why I said that, become a patron supporter and listen to our call ins and customer complaints. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, nearby, craggy, iconic Sierra Nevada summits like Middle Palisades and Disappointment Peak, <laughs> just like my dad says about me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> my dad likes me. And Mount Stanford reach well beyond 13,000 feet. Disappointment Peak. That's hilarious. Like, the guy who named it tried summiting several times and just could never make it. Right. Uh, the Sierra Crest forms the eastern boundary of the park from Mount Goth to north, north to the Junction Peak at the boundary of Sequoia National Park. The park's highest peaks also retain permanent snowfields and glaciers, like Palisade Glacier, the largest in the Sierras, which is located near the park's edge in the John Muir Wilderness. Needless to say, although the park is best known for its stunning forested landscape, it contains plenty of alpine regions to explore, hanging valleys, cascading waterfalls, and serrated ridges that can be found scattered throughout the high country. Like nearby Yosemite Valley, U-shaped glacial valleys found in Kings Canyon are characterized by the flat floors and exposed craggy granite cliffs and domes. Glacial features like te- <laughs> tepit dome, the largest granite dome in the Sierra's, Rise abruptly from the valley floor. I'm going to do that one, too. Okay. Here we go. To hip height.
1: To hip height. To, hip height.
0: <laughs> to hep it. You to were, hip height. You were way off. I was way <laughs> off. That's right. So some of the dangers that are present. Animals. Bobcats and mountain lions. So occasionally seen, they're usually watching you, and yeah. you don't know it. Bobcats are slightly larger than a house cat and have bob tails. In comparison, mountain lions are much larger and have long tails. Uh, I was just... Um, a guy that was at my party this weekend yeah. that I went in the Rockies with, we were talking about it. We were at a, uh, our first camp climbing up Long's Peak. Yeah. And it was close enough to the parking lot at night. One of our guys was missing something, and we were the two most experienced. We are like, we will hike down yeah. to the parking lot, get the stuff, and come back. And it was night. We're hiking down, and we're just looking around because it's beautiful out. Shine the lights up. Eight feet above us on a ledge, just two giant eyes just glowing, just staring <laughs> was it at a mountain us. line. It was a, it was a mountain lion. Yeah. It was following us the whole time. That's funny. it wasn't like an attack, but it was like checking us out. It was the most yeah. terrifying thing ever. <laughs> so we stuck, you know, close together and yeah. had the bear spray ready. Uh, so yeah, there's uh, those are scary. That's just like when we were in um, Nevada. We woke up and all the prints were around our tents oh, yeah, and we didn't hear a thing. And they were, like, circling our tents. They were pretty big paw prints. And we're like, did anyone hear it? Nope.
1: Yeah, we had um, in Canada, like, one of the first couple of years I was hiking, we were camping one night, and probably 20 feet away from our tents were grizzly tracks. Yeah. And we found the next morning that were fresh. We're like, well, yeah. that's terrifying. Yeah, you just slept <laughs> right through it. Yeah. It's like, well, they could have killed us if they wanted to. We did, we did have proper bear storage of our food, so... He couldn't smell anything in our camp, so it's probably why he kept moving.
0: Yeah, or he did smell you, and that's why he kept moving. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So fully grown, uh, they can mountain lions can weigh between seventy and one hundred and eighty pounds, and if seen, would appear bigger than a large dog. Mountain lions usually run off when seen. If you see a mountain lion that doesn't run, do not run. Running may trigger (laughs) pursuit. Pick up children. Uh, Try to appear as large as possible. Do not crouch down. Hold your ground and back away slowly while facing the cougar. If the cougar acts aggressively, wave your hands and shout. Throw some stones or sticks at it. If attacked, fight back. Uh, This also works in L.A. (laughs) I'm I'm never going to let that go. Yeah. There's lots of cougars there. Uh, Black bears. Black bears, though not always black, are found throughout Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Parks. They forage for natural food, digging up roots and meadows, ripping apart logs, and peering into tree cavities for insects. Unfortunately, when human food becomes available, they learn to forage for human food and place in natural food because it's full of sugar and it tastes amazing. Yeah. Uh, If they obtain our food, even just one time, bears begin begin, uh, to break into cars, tents, and cabins. They can become aggressive towards people to obtain that food, so while visiting the park, you can protect the bears by storing camping food properly and viewing wildlife at a safe distance. Leave. No.
1: Trace. And uh, in areas where there are grizzlies, they'll even go a step further. And if there's a grizzly that's been attacking campsites, they'll actually go out there and shoot it. Yep. So That was um, happening while we were out in Glacier. Yeah. They were going to euthanize one. Yeah. So it's just really important that you follow all the rules with uh, you know, storing your food. It will save the bear's life, and potentially save yours if a hungry bear comes walking yeah. walking by your tent.
0: Well, and how many grizzlies do we have
1: in lower 48? Isn't it like only five or 600? There's a, It's a small number. I don't want to say a number because there seems to be a lot of grizzly experts that listen. Yeah. And uh, we don't need to clog up the voicemail line on bear comments, but um, <clears throat> I think Alaska has... A good, ch- good supply of them. I'm long. I'm so wrong. I
0: think that might have been like in California. I remember doing an episode where he said it was oh. like only in the hundreds. It says there's 60,000 wild grizzly bears are located throughout North America. Okay. But I'm guessing it's mostly Canada. <laughs> nope. Uh, 30,000 in Alaska. 29,000 in Canada. In the lower 48, it's around 1,000. Okay. So, I wasn't too far off. Okay. So, yeah. All right. So, yeah. It's, it's mostly in Canada and Alaska. So I did say lower 48. I said like 600, so I was only like 400 hey, off.
1: Hey, you're off, though.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm going <laughs> to get yelled at anyway. Even though I corrected it, they're like, well, you were wrong. Yeah, <laughs> One-star review, and I hope something terrible happens to you. Uh, there are also rattlesnakes. I'm going to keep going. Rattlesnakes are common in Sequoia Foothills and Kings Canyon at low elevations where you put your hands and feet. So do not harass or kill them. This is when most bites occur. Bites are rarely lethal, but tissue damage can be severe.
1: And keep an eye out um, when you're rounding trail corners. Like oh, we were hiking out in, uh, we were going to. Oh, we were we were with uh, Ben. Yeah, we we're going to that weird amphitheater place where we found the guy who said he invented Disney songs. <laughs> I can't remember his name now. Oh, his trail name. Yeah, we we said it in another episode. But uh, yeah, remember we were go- we were kind of coming around a curve on a trail, and there was a rattlesnake on it. And I've never seen Ben jump that oh, high he, into the air. He
0: had like a six foot vertical. Yeah,
1: like off of like
0: <laughs> off a of back foot. Like I, he jumped. He could have jumped over us. Yeah, it
1: was hilarious. But you got to keep an eye out too. Like you may be tired, and you're kind of just you know if you're on a meandering winding trail. Uh, the snakes will come out and you know in the sunlight and well that was after the rainfall so yeah.
0: all of them were out on the rocks getting like their heat back because it was so cold yeah and yeah it was you almost <laughs> stepped on it <laughs> didn't even notice it it was yeah. hilarious it was hilarious because nobody got hurt yeah uh, terrain can be an issue high altitude so many hiking trails and parks are at an elevation of five thousand feet or above uh, for people not accustomed to hiking at elevation your body may not be acclimated to its lower oxygen levels this can cause shortness of breath dehydration. Altitude illness can strike anyone at any time. Uh, Allow time for a slow ascent, adjusting gradually to the altitude, and be sure to drink plenty of water. Uh, Even at the higher altitudes, typically above 8,000 feet, altitude sickness can occur. Symptoms uh, can be mild to moderate, uh, include dizziness, fatigue, and headache, shortness of breath, and rapid heart rate. If you experience these systems, the best treatment is to descend to lower altitude, and that is literally
1: it. That's really the only way If you're getting
0: bad, you have to go down. Yeah. And then you can... If you come back, you can try going up again, but there's like no pill or anything that will... And... I I, mean, it might make you feel better, but if you're getting actually altitude sick, you have to descend.
1: And from what I've found from my experience um, in hiking in a high altitude and with other people is uh, conditioning is a part of it, but I think a part of it is genetic. Some people just react differently to... high altitude. Yeah. And you could be in the best condition of your life and you might still get sick at 7,000 feet and someone else doesn't. Yeah.
0: There always seems to be someone who just never does well. Yeah. But, uh,
1: while I was just in Colorado, I shared those pictures.
0: Um, one of the guys in our group, uh, skis in Colorado regularly. Yeah. Like no issues. Uh, he was sick the entire time. Yeah. Like he had to get an IV. Like it was bad. Oh wow. So it was, it can, it can strike, but yeah, you'll, you'll know, and just don't keep going up if it's getting bad. Yeah. Uh, some of the other things, hot weather. Uh, you can think of what that includes if you're exposed <laughs> to sunlight. Uh, high temperatures, often above 100 degrees, can happen during summer days and early fall months. So just drink plenty of water, bring hats, sunscreen, keep your skin covered. Yeah. Uh, then the opposite at night, <laughs> hypothermia can happen. If you're there through the winter or as the cool air settles in and if you're wet uh, at night, uh, some of the symptoms of hypothermia include shivering, memory loss, stumbling, confusion, and sleepiness. Uh, people suffering hypothermia often don't recognize they
1: are in danger. We, we use hypothermia as uh, one of the reasons why someone went missing all the time, just yeah. because it causes confusion. Yeah, and- I saw it firsthand in uh, Longs Peak.
0: Someone actually just died there oh, uh, really? at the keyhole. That's right where we were. But uh, we were going through a snowstorm, and two of our group, we split into two groups of two people, yeah. so we don't ever go alone. They went on ahead to set up camp and we were waiting for one person. And then as we were coming up, they were hiking back Yeah, and they were soaked and we're like, where are you going? They're like, we're going back to the car. The car is two and a half days away. Yeah. And we're like, what do you mean? They're like, uh, we're wet. We're going to the car. Yeah. And I said, no, we have to set up camp. You have to put dry clothes on. They're like, yeah. oh, we put our dry clothes. So in the rain, they took off their wet clothes and put on their dry clothes yeah. and didn't set the tent up. Like they were so delirious. Yeah. So we had to heat them up, get them some hot cocoa and all that stuff. But you can make really bad, dumb decisions when you're in the early stages of hypothermia.
1: Yeah. Um, this next one we've never talked about. I, we, I've talked about it a few times just we're camping. Yes. But I figured because it's... Widowmakers? Hoya, yeah. It, it's just interesting to mention this one.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't think people think about this. So no. trees. Yeah. <laughs> so trees can do and can kill people. Yes. Uh, branches and trees may fall whether or not they're dead and whether there is no wind. Uh, animals run in those trees. So if it's a weak branch, whatever, you keep an eyes and ears open. If you hear cracks or snapping, just get away from those types of trees. Uh, don't linger or camp under dead or cracked or broken trees. Those are called widow makers. So that's where you're sleeping in your camp and a tree literally every, falls on you.
1: Every time I set up 10 out in the backcountry, I always check. Yeah, which way are they leaning? It? Yeah. Lean,
0: you want them leaning away. Yeah.
1: Uh, over 100 people
0: die in the U.S. from falling trees and branches every year. <clears throat> uh, Driving the mountain roads. So elevation within King Sequoia uh, Sequoia and King's Canyon range from 1,300 feet to 1,404 feet. Uh, extreme elevation changes over short distances means park roads are steep, narrow, and winding. Winter conditions may exist at the higher elev- elevations between November and June. Uh, so follow these recommendations. Downshift when going downhill. That means you don't slam on your brakes. You want to keep your wheels moving so that you keep traction. Uh, use turnouts if you're if you're driving slow or viewing wildlife. Watch out for wildlife and fill up before entering the park so you don't run out of gas.
1: Yep, they don't sell it in the park.
0: Yeah, that's a big one. I think people um this one this one I don't think we've brought up. If you're going through the mountains and you're doing a lot of downhill driving, you do not want to use your brakes all the time. Yeah, you want to engine brake, and that is where a lot of cars will have pictures of a car going downhill. You can hit that button. And what that does, it downshifts your car and uses the engine rev to slow the car down as opposed to your brakes. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you overheat your brakes, they can fail. And then you have nothing to stop you. (laughs) Uh, And that's where you see those trucks careening down the road and they have to go in those little chutes of sand. Uh, That's what happens when your brakes fail. So you don't want to do that, especially if you're not uh, trained in how to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, One of the things we do talk about lightning activity in this year is during the summer months, it is common. Uh thunderhead seen far off in the distance can be an indicator of impending lightning activity and you should seek shelter or to lower ground. If you get caught in lightning event and are unable to seek safe haven, avoid the high locations, wet areas, heavily treed places, and rock ledges or overhangs. You crouch low and using a Vibram or rubber-soled shoes as an insulator, crouching on a foam sleeping pad can also provide protection. And my favorite thing, stick your butt in the air. <laughs> So it hits your button, goes out your legs. Yeah. Don't, then it avoids all your critical bodily uh, organs. And then last but not least, any type of river crossing. We have talked about this in the show. Yeah. If you're crossing any river, I don't care how shallow it is or how uh, small it is, unless it's something you can like hop over entirely. Uh, assume there's an undercurrent and something that could take you away. So uh, you always want to be holding on to something. You don't want to just go in raw. And you definitely don't want to be attached to your backpack. You want to have that thing unclipped. Maybe hanging over a shoulder so you can abandon it if you get swept away. Uh, backpack and you attached to it and strainer points equals drowning. Yeah. So, and it's cold. You'll, you'll get hypothermia. and So it's, if rivers and water are very hazardous. So difficulty in general. Uh, The hike up, uh, the summit of Split Mountain is very challenging. So this thing has uh, 7,444 feet of elevation gain in only six and a half miles roughly.
1: That is tough. That
0: is like (laughs) very tough. Yeah. So it's a 13.7 mile out and back trail. That's an average of 11 hours and 49 minutes to complete. So we have it kind of pulled up here. Um, That is, that is, uh, I don't know why that just disappeared. Like that's weird. Uh, It's a very tough trail. Yeah, why is it doing that? I'm gonna <laughs> refresh it. Like it just half the screen went away. Whatever. <laughs> so that that one is for technical climbers, people that have done this type of stuff before. It is not simple. I think the first. Look at that. Did it again. I wanted to see what the first comment was on this thing because it was really funny. I read uh,
1: it. It was. uh, Yeah. Here we go.
0: Yeah. One star. We could not find the trailhead. <laughs> so they even says that you can't even get to the trailhead unless you have a four-wheel drive vehicle.
1: Yeah. I mean, I read through a ton of the reviews on all trails and a lot of the commonalities were um, the trail is hard to follow due to old cairns. So uh, the trail disappears at times and there's a lot of tough boulder fields to navigate. Yeah. So
0: those are the cairns that you're supposed to either add to or not touch because they help, help you navigate. Yeah, I bet this guy gave us a one-star rating on our show too because he's an idiot. He rated it a star. I can't find the trailhead, so it's one star. Um, so,
1: so yeah. So uh, that is kind of a, a very detailed description of the parks, and Joe is going to talk a little bit about our subject here. We don't have a lot of information on him. This. this is a very recent case. Less than a month ago, he went missing. Yeah, so Than, I'm going to just go by his last name. Than, you um, went missing
0: on... August 21st, 2022, uh, no remains were found. He was a male, 66 years old. Uh, he was 5'2", 145 pounds, had gray hair and brown eyes. Uh, he was not prepared to stay overnight. So this this yeah. this was this is supposed to be a day hike, so he was not prepared to stay overnight. Um, I'm not going to say anything about his preparedness, only because of his um, his abilities in the wilderness. Yeah. So the family said, his family said he's been hiking for decades, almost 40 years. And had summited some of the world's tallest peaks, including Kilimanjaro, which I also did, uh, Denali, and Akanakunga. Uh, I can never say this one right. The this, is one of, new, this, this is one of the seven summits. And Where I, is it? This one. Akanagua. Think, Akanagua. Akanagua. I think this is
1: South America, I think. Because I want to um, do, do this If one. you want to look it up, I'll just say that... So Joe said he was very experienced, and he actually attempted Everest twice Um. The first time in two thousand five, while raising money for the Children of Peace International, he survived an avalanche while passing the uh, Kumbu Icefall, and the second time, uh, the second time on his way from uh, base camp to Camp One. So he uh, he knows the stuff. Yeah, and his friends and family said that he was very experienced in the wilderness and knew how to take care of himself. And I would say that. Um, you know, he's summited some very difficult mountains. He's tried Everest twice. That's more than most people ever do. And survived a, a crazy avalanche. Yeah, so
0: he's experienced. He knows yeah. more than we do. So
1: Aconagua. Aconagua is in Argentina. So Argentina, I was
0: okay. I, was, I knew it was South America, but that's as far as I knew. Um. So he has hiked Split Mountain in the past. Did you say that? I did not. Okay. So, so yeah. he has hiked it in the past. So he knows the area too. So he's yeah. experienced and he knows the area. So he's yep. the type of guy that I want to go into a mountain with. Yes. So, all right. Mike, our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because as many of you know, I got into competitive drinking and was feeling slow and sluggish on training days. I was talk, uh, taking more supplements than I could count and nothing was helping. One of the fighters at my gym recommended Athletic Green's AG1 Daily Health Drink, and I've never felt better. One scoop of AG1 in the morning has me ready to take on Thanos, that's an Avengers reference, by the time I get to the gym. (laughs) One serving of AG1 contains 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens that supports better sleep quality, recovery, mental clarity, and alertness. All things very important in the world of combat drinking. (laughs) Best of all, it costs less than $3 a day, which from my own experience is cheaper than getting all the different supplements myself. For less than a cup of Starbucks, you can make an investment in your own health that I can personally vouch for. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash emerging. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash E-M-E-R-G-I-N-G to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance.
1: So, like Joe said, this uh, this happened just recently, less than a month ago. So, on the evening of August 20th, 2022, Fan arrived with his two hiking companions uh, and camped overnight before their hike. And like Joe mentioned, he met these two people through a Facebook group for Vietnamese hikers. So, it is now August, and Joe, uh, he'll be pulling up. Yeah, we have... This is why it's doing that. My computer is
0: uh, automatically scrolling to the right by itself. <laughs> That's why that thing kept happening. I don't know why oh. it's doing that. Yeah, every time my mouse is there, look at it. I'm just hovering. Are you sharing all this? Yeah. Oh. That's okay. You, you can look at all the mountain real fast.
1: <laughs> so uh, it is now uh, 4 a.m. on August 21st of 2022, which is a Sunday. And Now Joe on the screen has uh, – we've got a lot of pictures from the search and rescue operation. we got a picture of Fan up right now. Um, so, like I said, it's 4 a.m., August 21st, 2022. It's a Sunday. Than and his uh, and two others left Red Lake Trailhead to climb the north slope of uh, Split Mountain, which is a class two. And for those of you who don't know the classification ranking for hiking, a class two is more difficult hiking that may be off trail. You may also have to put your hands down occasionally to keep your balance. May include easy snow climbs or hiking on. Talus or scree class two includes a wide range of hiking and a route might, uh, may have exposure, loose rock and steep scree. So fan intended to, uh, do this just in a day. Uh, he was going to go up to the summit of split mountain and exit on the same day via the Inyo national forest at 1am. Like Joe mentioned earlier, he was not carrying any overnight gear. So I don't know that I would try to do a, a summit like this, that aggressive, but, you might not be able to if you have all that gear with you for an overnight trek. So um, and I don't know if this is the actual picture from him the day he went missing or not. Uh, so SAR officials had made the comment during the search and rescue mission that Fan's itinerary was an extremely challenging one. Uh, so it, it's not something that normal people probably try to attempt, but Fan doesn't seem like a normal hiker considering... Some of the peaks he summited and his quest to get to the top of Everest.
0: yeah, look at those peaks. It's just all scree. yeah all of it.
1: Yeah, it, it looks it looks fun and tiring.
0: Yeah that's, yeah, that's a lot of work.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so at, thir- at around 13,200 feet, <clears throat> one of the members of his party waited about 60 to 90 minutes for Than and the uh, other party members. Fan ended up waving them on, indicating he would either fall behind, wait for them there, or head down. Uh, ultimately, though, there was no plan made. It is now three p.m. on August twenty-first. Fan. This would be the last time anyone had seen Fan. So Fan was last seen around three p.m. The other two party members made it back to the car around three thirty a.m. on Monday morning. Uh, on. Sadly, he was almost to the top when they last saw him, so he was about two hours from the summit or a thousand he had about a thousand feet left to go. Fan had also stashed a helmet and jacket at Red Lake and had not returned to pick it up and the other party members did not see him on his descent, so he did have some gear stashed, which was never picked up, and his uh members of his party never saw him come back down so something happened to him uh he was last seen, obviously, at 3 p.m. Uh, I, I should have put the location where they saw him. I can't remember the name. Okay. But he was only about two hours from the summit, and he was only 1,000 feet below it. So something happened, in, in either he attempted to go up further and something happened to him, or he decided he wasn't going to be able to make it, and he turned around. Uh, we'll get into the theories later. but um, So it's now Monday, August twenty second, 2022. Inyo Search and Rescue receives a call for a missing hiker at Red Lake Split Mountain. California Highway Patrol uh, searched using high-powered optics while two SAR members went to the Red Lake Trail and interviewed the two other people hiking with FAN. It is now August twenty third, 2022, which is a Tuesday. Helicopters from the Sequoia Kings National Park searched the area with their high-powered optics and found nothing. Moving fast forward to the next day, August 24th, which is a Wednesday, four Ineos uh, Search and Rescue members were inserted via California Highway Patrol H80, two to the point last uh, where they last saw him, and two to Red Lake. Two, uh, the two SAR members that were inserted at the higher point glassed, which is uh, basically just looking for him with binoculars. Uh, they glassed the summit. Uh, the... Tamea drainage and Red Lake drainage and the lake under Mather pass. There was no evidence of fan in any of those areas. The two searched the descent gully taking with a party of three who had gotten funneled towards the wrong gully as the two other members of fans party did not uh, did on their descent. So both parties were able to turn around and find the correct descent. So even fans hiking mates got turned around and then another group of hikers also got turned around and uh search and rescue had to help them get back the other group of hikers so you can see how easily it is uh for people to get turned around on this trail because it it disappears it comes and goes it's
0: i mean try and pick out a karen in this yeah it's It would have to be huge, and if people aren't adding to it or it's not being maintained, it would be incredibly hard to see which way you're supposed to go. And I've
1: hiked in areas that kind of look like this, but they're more populated parks, and there's usually like a little path of like really finely ground yeah where everyone's been walking for years. And this is a more remote part of the area where it's remote
0: and it's difficult. Yeah, so you're just dwindling the numbers of the people who are going to help contribute to making that path visible.
1: Yeah. So yeah, it's a very. Tough place to, to keep the trail. Uh, the h helicopter continued to spend the entire day, like I said, around the 24th, uh, continued to spend the entire day thoroughly covering the area. The two SAR members at Red Lake glassed the area with no evidence of fan. And I get the, the feeling that I, I haven't heard that term used before in any of the searches we've covered. I think part of the reason why they utilize binoculars is because the terrain is so incredibly difficult. Yeah, you can't go everywhere. Yeah, I know one of the family members who was speaking about this disappearance said that they had a hard time getting dog teams up there. Uh, It's just a really difficult...
0: Well, and for those of you who are just listening, we're looking at these images, you can see everything. Yeah. So with a good pair of binoculars, you can cover the entire side of the mountain. There's like...
1: No vegetation.
0: There's barely, yeah, there's trees. there, bit. kind of they're little trees, but it's like a single tree. And then 20 feet to the right, a single tree. And then 20 feet to the right, a single tree. They're like peppered in there. So, uh, sparsely you can see between them just fine. Yeah. So yes, using the binoculars, especially if he's wearing bright colors, you know, he, he, he's wearing clothes that don't match the background.
1: Yeah. Uh, so like I said, they, uh, they kept glassing the area. Uh, by Red Lake, they also spoke with one hiker coming down early who also mentioned getting funneled towards the wrong gully. The high elevation of the point last seen and extremely hot weather have been challenging for uh, the helicopter operations and ground searchers, one SAR member had said. Uh, another person on the search described the hike as arduous with an elevation of gain, like Joe said, is 7,500 feet, um, uh, according to the Sierra Madre search and rescue team which was assisting the search efforts. Uh, they also mention, again, that the trail's not well-defined, um, and there's a number of hazardous cliffs, steep gorges in the search area. So very tough place to hike, yeah. a tough place to conduct the search and rescue. It looks like they had pretty good weather for the search, at least the early search, based on these pictures. Um, so it is now August 29th of 2022, This is a press release from uh, Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Parks. So they go on the right. Search and rescue teams at Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Parks continue to work with the Inyo National Forest to try and locate Fan. In addition to ground teams and dogs, the team is using infrared imaging and drones. Many people have asked for details about the location where Fan was last seen. Split Mountain is on the crest of the Sierra Nevada mountain range in Kings Canyon National Park. Van and his group accessed the area from the roads in the east side of the Sierra then hiked through the Inyo National Forest, then became separated from his group at the base of the summit. So fast forward to August 31st of 2022. This is a Wednesday. This is another press release from the national park. And this is actually when they suspended the the search operation. So they go on the right. For the past 10 days, searchers, Searches have been underway in Kings Canyon National Park and Inyo National Forest for THAN 66 of Newport Beach, California. The search for THAN is scaling back to a limited continuous mode. This means that while searching will continue, the large number of resources and personnel that have been dedicated to this effort will be reduced. The search will remain in limited continuous mode until THAN is found. Searchers have utilized a broad range of search techniques, including ground search and rescue, aerial searches via helicopter and unmanned aerial systems, infrared flights, canine search teams, trail containment, and investigations. Despite these efforts, THAN's whereabouts remain unknown. THAN's itinerary was extremely challenging an, an extremely challenging one, and few other hikers were in the area. Simultaneous searches have been led by Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Parks, and the Inyo County Sheriff's Department with the assistance of the Inyo National Forest, Inyo County Search and Rescue, California National Guard, Sierra Madre Search and Rescue, the Air Force Rescue Coordination Center, Tulare County and Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, Yosemite, Death Valley, Pinnacles National Park, Civil Air Patrol, California Governor's Office of Emergency Management, and the California Highway Patrol of Inland Division Air Operations. So... They had a lot of people out there looking for THAN. Yeah. I would say this was not a small effort based on the amount of departments involved. And I think it's a massive area. Um, The terrain makes it very hard for searchers to do, you know, some of the more normal searches that we've talked about where they do like a grid formation and they kind of cover every inch of the ground. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, not knowing what, where, what direction he went after he was last seen at 3 p.m. at the summit. Did he continue up? Did he, did he go down and, turn, you know, go in a wrong direction? Um, so I'll jump right into theories and we'll go. Yeah, I'm interested to see what you say. So we'll, I'll start with what family and friends and some of the search and rescue officials think. So, (laughs) Uh, a theory emerged and grew more compelling as time passed. A month prior to Fan's hike, a National Park employee had personally climbed Split Mountain and encountered a large hole with a massive, unstable boulder at the top. He observed a boulder the size of a car fall into the darkness below. He was quoted saying, It was so deep he never heard the sound of impact. As rescues were unable to traverse this chute, and reach the bottom, it is one of the only places on the mountain they have not been able to search. The edge of the cliff is close to the approximate place where Than was last seen. Than's wife, family, and friends, and the rescue teams have come to accept that, given the search results, it is likely Than fell into this ravine and lost his life. If this is the case, Than's body will never be found. And there was some even more wild conspiracy talk in, on the internet about this. Um... And then there was some more measured conversations that it wasn't a hole; It was probably almost a vertical. Uh, but they couldn't, like, see to the bottom of it?
0: Is that the idea? That I don't
1: understand. Um, and th- there's people, you know, on forums that have said they have hiked this summit and have seen something kind of like this. Um, but I just don't understand. If this is what happened, I don't understand if it's just like a – vertical ravine yeah. or like a uh you know very steep cliff why they can't just go to the base of it and search that that's kind of it, yeah and if it's a if it's they're an actual hole why can't they send a drone down or you know send a camera down with a you know on a rope or something
0: yeah i'd definitely like to know more info about that area
1: um so that is really the only theory that i was able to find and like i said this case is less than a month old so it was a little more sparse on information than some of the cases that we cover. Um, but you can look in this Google Earth image. There are some very steep areas where... Try and get to, uh, where you try to zoom in. Yeah, go 3D mode. Yeah,
0: it's... I mean, we saw how rugged it was. This is very aggressive. Yeah. And I think that's the key, like, yeah, this saddle's not too bad. I'm guessing that's kind of the approach.
1: Yeah. Oh, a little too crazy.
0: But yeah, I mean, there's some there's some gnarly spots that you wouldn't want to fall off of for sure.
1: But I I don't understand um, if it's just a steep cliff or ravine why they they can't search you know at yeah. the bottom of it. Um. So, th- I think the theory that he fell is probably a good theory. Yeah. Unfortunately, I feel like, unfortunately, um, I'd say that's the most plausible.
0: I just, because of how well you can see everything. And like the day they were searching, I mean, let me go back to some of these pictures. Clear blue sky. Yeah. It was like great day for searching.
1: So things I can rule out, uh, animal, animal attack. Um, I don't think foul play was involved. This area is incredibly hard to get to, especially where he was last seen. um, there was only maybe a couple other people hiking up there. Yeah. Um, I think if he had some kind of medical emergency near the trail, they would have found found him right away. Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, what... He's
0: kind of wearing muted
1: colors. That might be hard to see. Yeah. I thought that blue was a <laughs> lot brighter. I mean, I think probably what happened was he... he was, It was 3 o'clock, and... Maybe he tried to push forward to the summit but realized I just can't do it today. Yeah. And then started to turn around and start getting dark out and he lost the trail. And like yeah, those other hikers. If you were here at night,
0: yeah. You wouldn't be finding anything.
1: No, that's why you you would you'd have to camp the night and wait till the sunlight. It's, um <sighs> and then I'm guessing he got turned around, went out was way off trail, and fell down one of these very steep Cliffs, um, and somewhere where they aren't, weren't able to find him. Maybe he got covered up in debris as he was falling. He maybe triggered other rock falls. Yeah. that covered him. Yeah, I like. I mean, look how much loose. If you scroll through some of those I'm pictures, go back. I just. Oh. Yep. No, that's good. <laughs> yes, I mean, if you look through these pictures, look how much loose rock is around. Yeah. So I mean. You got to think. There's, there's one that I saw that really illustrated, like this. Yeah, it look,
0: it almost looks like like a, a dump. Yeah, like you know, when you see a garbage dump. It the the scree is so bad, it looks like it's garbage from so, far away.
1: You know, no, you know, it wouldn't take much. Maybe he was hiking near the cliff edge and he stumbled and tripped over a couple rocks, and those ro- he fell, and then those rocks started falling. It triggered other debris falling down, and perhaps he was covered up, which is yeah. why the searchers weren't able to find to him. me.
0: That's the off the deep end.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. Like your, yeah. your original theory
0: makes the most sense, but this is so open. Yeah. It's so open. The craziest theory would be like some like one in a million. He fell, but fell with rocks and he was buried. Yeah. Cause like, I don't even see how like logically that would happen, but that makes the most sense.
1: Yeah. Like outside of like, Oh, it's aliens is off the deep end. Like, I mean, there's a chance he made it down farther than people think, and he got lost once he got into, like, the Inyo Forest. Because, remember, he would have to get all the way down Split Mountain and then hike all the way through the Inyo National Forest to get back to their car. Yeah. So, I mean, he's experienced enough. Maybe he would do that. I don't know.
0: But he had a jacket, at least, at
1: Red Lake. Like, where's, like, where's Inyo Forest? I mean, like, see how... Because Look at how sparse that is. Yeah. So he had a jacket at Red Lake that he never went to get. So you'd think if it was laid out and cold and he's coming back down, he would oh, at least a different spot. he would at least stop and go get his jacket. You know? would be anything is better than nothing. Yeah. I um so yeah, I have to believe that there's no forest around here. Like this spot over here. Yeah, and the Inyo National Forest is more to the east. Yeah. So far away, you, if you zoom out. He's it.
0: not going. He's not that far. No way. Where did it say the trailhead
1: was? Uh, Red Lake. Red Lake. If you go to all trails, it might show you.
0: Yeah, you're you're absolutely correct. In that. <laughs> I just want to see right. Yeah. So okay.
1: Yeah, so even if he started going back this way, look at There's not a lot of vegetation here at all. And Red Lake was where he had a helmet and jacket stashed.
0: Yeah, if he got down here, you're following the creek. You can do that at night. If you get down to this creek, you're fine. Yeah. If you're in the mountains, actually, you get to this lake, you're fine. Mm -hmm. Because that's all connected, and this is easy. This would be, quote-unquote, easy. I've just been in mountains like this, and if you have a lake that's streaming down, like, and it's that open, yeah, that's
1: not a difficult one, and you're not going to get lost. And we're making some assumptions on his, yeah. We know that he hiked this area before, and he he's an experienced climber. We're we're making some assumptions that that means he's experienced, uh, he has experience like survival experience. Okay, so there's a trailhead, yeah. So I didn't even look at that fully. So he's coming
0: up here, all the way, and they go kind of up this ledge, yeah, all the way to the top. That's very doable. And they said they were a 1,000 feet from the top, so he's probably up in this... two hours to the top. So probably in this region here. Yeah. Would be my guess, because this is pretty gnarly. This would take a while. Yeah. So maybe even up to, like, where the snow is. I can't see how he'd get lost without falling in some sort of
1: cave. Maybe he decided to continue... From what I read, basically, if... uh, I don't want to get this wrong, but I think people are saying well, we're that, doing theories. So I yeah. mean, people are saying that yeah, if, you, this is pretty if you can't get to the summit by 3 p.m., you got to turn around.
0: Yeah, this part would look would take a while right here.
1: Maybe he attempted to get to the summit. Maybe he made it up there, but it was getting too dark out and he tried to come back in the dark. And but the
0: other people were ahead of him.
1: Yeah, they would have seen him. They would have seen him come up or down. I don't know. It's like, literally,
0: I think your boulder cover is the off the deep end. I think there's probably a cave or some hole if you went off too far off trail and just fell down too deep. Yeah. Maybe broke a leg and then no one could hear him. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's the most plausible thing that happened is just fell somewhere that they can't see him.
1: Yeah, I, I would have to agree. I think uh, I, we can't verify that this theory about this hole that this giant car-sized yeah. boulder went down. And a lot of people on online were skeptical of that um yeah
0: not hitting the bottom that doesn't sound i mean a car size boulder boulder you're you're gonna gonna hear
1: hear it eventually (laughs) yeah it's gonna Um, cause a lot of disruption my guess is it was just a really steep drop off that this boulder went over so yeah i you know based on how little foot traffic this area gets and how rugged and remote it is i don't know it could be a long time before um his remains are you know maybe found and if if my theory is correct that he, you know, maybe but got covered up by debris caused by his fall, he may never be found. Um, yeah, which is sad. We want closure, but um, it's just an interesting. It's a wild one because it's so visible. It's a wild one, and I think uh, just it's it's so recent. I thought it was it was an interesting case, and I figured you know getting more exposure for the case because the family really really wants to find find him uh it sounded like he was a great guy he was he started his own charity for um something to do with children and you know every everybody said he seemed like a you know it seemed like a really nice guy so um who knows maybe somebody will find him yeah uh, at some point we can only hope i think
0: that's yeah. for sure so all right well i think those are theories off the deep in all the things so yeah well, thanks again for tuning into our show. We appreciate you all for listening and sharing locations unknown with your friends and family. Join Patreon if you want to hear our crazy Bigfoot episode. Yes, crazy Bigfoot episode is coming up next. <laughs> Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, we have the YouTube channel that you can subscribe to for our show. You can get the video content as well. Uh, if you want to support us monetarily, you can visit the Facebook store and buy some cool swag or go to our website. Otherwise, you can donate to Patreon, as we said, get the extra episodes and access to the swag. You can also join the subscriptions on YouTube and soon Apple subscriptions. will. We will also have the other episodes playing. And just remember, when enjoying the beauty of nature, whether backpacking, camping, or simply taking a walk, always remember to leave no trace. Thanks, and we will see you all next time.